Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. What's up, Vortex Nation? Eric has finally found a good resting place on the table here for his famous Amos cookies, uh, which he won't stop talking about. Uh, also, he's four servings deep today, and yep. it's only 1156. about 11.56 in the a.m. And so. we are seeking a sponsorship from Famous Amos, just to be clear. <laughs> this is not subtle. <laughs> just to be clear. Uh, we have with us here, unfortunately, Mark is out, but we're going to be talking about firearms, you know, and likely AR-15s. So, uh, you know, he's, he's probably good. Uh, he's out hunting currently, but he will be back at some point in time. With me here, Jimmy on the mic currently, I'm joined by Eric, frequent guest, and Jameson, who's been on before. But Jamo, it's been a while. Long time. Yeah. I think that was the first episode I was on. Yeah. You, you were on the very first episode, and then kind of 75 or whatever many episodes went by, and then you decided to jump on again. Yeah, you decided to invite me back. It's yeah. good to be back. Yep. The topic that we wanted to talk about to discuss was video games and firearm culture, guns today. And as soon as that topic came up, Jameson Jameson jumped in very excitedly. Uh, the in-house nerd. We see we have a lot of experts here around the office in many different things. And even when it ventures into, you know, being a nerd and playing video games a lot. That's me. We've got Jamo. Mm-hmm. Jamo, you you play a lot of video games, and you have in the past. You also like build computers and stuff. What's what's that all about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, built my first computer in high school, and uh, just kept doing it ever since, and use it for you know video editing, playing video games mainly. Uh, yeah, and lots of other stuff. What's your favorite all time video game? Halo Two. Halo Going back Two. To my my high school days. That was one of a kind. I remember a bunch of kids playing Halo 2 and stuff at sleepovers. That was when, like, uh, Xbox Live first really launched, and the idea of playing online was was new, and it was incredible. With a bunch of other people, yeah. right? Yeah, yep. from that you weren't even in the same room as. Right. I remember no when that first came screen. out, I thought it was... I was kind of weirded out by it. I was freaked out. Yeah, it was weird. I didn't know what to think. Mm-hmm. Until that point in time, I'd only played video games with my buddy and my best friend from down the street. He'd just come over and we'd play video games like mm-hmm. basically to, all day. You'd have to tell him to stop looking at your screen, yep. screen peeking. Don't, yep. Yeah, yep. don't screen peek. Yep. He'd be like, I know you screen peeked. So no, <laughs> if you're listening and you haven't picked up yet, too, that everybody in this room is a millennial. Oh, man, you know, the dark, scary millennials. That is the case right now. So all of us are growing up in a very similar time of, of video game culture. And really, though, I mean, people that are older than us, too, and, I mean, people that are older and younger than us have all played video games. My dad is 70 years old. He's played video games. He used to play them all the time back with my brothers. My brothers are all uh, children of the Super Nintendo, the SNES, the regular Nintendo, Atari. 2600. um, Yeah, yeah. The Sega Genesis. Genesis, They're children of that era. My Mm -hmm. first console was an N64, Mm -hmm. followed by then a GameCube. Yep, I had I had older brother, so we were we were Nintendo and so you started out you Mm -hmm. started out in some of the older school stuff. Yep, what were you rocking, Rick? PS One was my first. Oh, PS One. Did you have the screen that flipped up on the console? Yep, and then so you could play on the road. Yep, yep. That was was incredible. Is kind of did you ever actually use it that way? Never use it that way. (laughs) Because like, how many times do you have all the plugins and everything to like? run one of those things on the road. Yep. We did get a Chevy Astro van in like 1990 
something. And I was like super excited that we were maybe going to put a TV in this thing and like I'd be able to watch or like play Army Men was the the game specifically. Oh, great, was a good one. Great yep. game. Mm-hmm. You're like playing as the green plastic yep. Army Men, but they're Against alive, the right? yellow like plastic Army Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It was incredible. So that was your favorite game. So is that your all-time favorite game or what? what is your... <sighs> It'd be a toss-up between that and, like we talked about a little bit, Medal of Honor Rising Sun. Okay, that, yeah, because yep. that's what I was going to say. Medal of Honor Rising Sun was one of my favorite games of all time, as was Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Yep. Mm-hmm. I played that. Yep. I played that so much. It was like, it was bad. Oh, yeah. No homework. You know, come home from school, immediately jumped on, placed yep. it, what was that, a PlayStation 3, PlayStation Live, or what do they call it? PlayStation Network. Yeah. PlayStation Network, yeah. You jump on there, mm. join a party with all your friends, and then you just go play yep. all day. Yep. But all of us enjoyed, as well as many other people, some of our favorite games involved firearms. Yep. And now here we are today, and all three of us work for a company that is in the firearms and related mm-hmm. accessories industry. And so I thought it'd be kind of a fun conversation to chat about how that's impacted us, our thoughts on firearms from, you know, being kids, just playing video games and stuff, to now being grown-ups who actually own different firearms uh, of all different kinds for hunting and shooting. And then also kind of what it's done to society as well. What do you think, like, I'm trying to decide, if, you know, what it's like the good news or the bad news. What do you think, like, the good things or the bad things that it's done? People like to point out the bad things. That it's yep. done. That's like what they always want to talk about first. Because everybody's, you know, oh man, all these kids, they just mindlessly go on video games and they, you know, just zombie out in front of the TV and just right. shoot a bunch of other people that yep. are all video game people all day. Yep. And, uh, you know, they're not getting any exercise. They're getting violent tendencies in their minds yep. and stuff like that. They They enjoy the thought of, you know, drawing blood. Yep, killing killing all that stuff in in many ways like i get where they're coming from because it is kind of weird but also all three of us played those games and i don't see any of us walking around like wanting to kill anybody i can say for one thing so playing medal of honor rising sun that was a for those not familiar that was a world war ii yeah era video game the world war ii ones were actually some of my favorites until call of duty modern warfare came out because I always thought that the the historical aspect of them, and I know, you know, I'm sure that there were things that were historically inaccurate about those video games. Just yeah. like when you watch a movie, there's things that are historically inaccurate yep. all the time. But getting some of those different firearms and like playing through this this sort of created scenario of a of a time in history, I actually remember that when I was playing those games, I'd be in sixth grade history class. Yep. And the Battle of Midway would come up as a yeah. subject, or Pearl Harbor would come up as a subject, and I'd be like, I played that in Medal yeah. of Honor Rising Sun, you know? Yep. And it was like, or or we'd start discussing, you know, planes of World War II, or like firearms of World War II, or some of the gear that they used, and they'd be like, oh, that's the M2 grenade, like, mm-hmm. the, or whatever, that's the M1 Garand. Yep. Like, I gained my love for the M1 Garand by playing Medal of Honor yep. Rising Sun, because the game got... The pating, they mm-hmm. got it. Yep, they got it right. Yeah, but all that stuff was super cool. And then you know, you're of course you're going on all these levels that are quote around the world or whatever. And, right. and it just for that for that reason, I remember that there was like there was the history to it that was that was unique and interesting. And now, I mean, I know I watched World War II movies with my dad and stuff, and there would be the firearms they were using, but usually those weren't the 
those weren't like the focus of the movie or the film, right? The the fo- the focus of the film or the movie usually had a you know a story about a person or whatever, and then the and the guns were kind of in the background. But now, like, had I not played all those games where I'd purposely seek out the M1 Grand or I'd purposely seek out some other Japanese Arasaka, whatever, you yeah. know, I never would have had an appreciation for those rifles right. now that I yep. saw them. I, I'd be like, wow, that's really cool. I guess it's like a historical timepiece or whatever. But now it's like the second I pick up an M1 Grand, I'm like, I want to empty the clip, which I, it is a clip. Yep. That. Yep. I want to empty it so I can hear that pating, you know, yep. which I did. I got the chance to do with our friend, uh, our friend Nick, who came up and joined us for those World War II guns podcast. But what are your guys' thoughts on that? What other what other stuff do you guys think has sort of come out of that now, being in the industry we're in now, yeah, and having played all these games? Well, I think one thing for me is uh, I I didn't have a shooting background at all before coming here, so my shooting background was video games, and yeah. to come now and actually shoot some of these firearms and use some of these optics and things like that and be like, oh, man, I've seen this before. Yeah. I, I shot this in Call of Duty or I shot it in <laughs> Battlefield before. It's really cool to see that. Yeah. And and now working for, obviously, Vortex, I start looking for our optics in any video game that I'm using. Yeah. And so, like, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds has the Spitfire 3X. Um, Escape from Tarkov, yep. this hardcore simulator, has our UH-1. Uh, and there's a few other ones out there. So just being able to see those in the actual games is, is super cool. And then to be like, oh, yeah, I, I know a lot more about this. And then the historical aspect is also really cool for me, too. Yeah. But I think you nailed that one. Yeah. And even like like we talked a little bit on that 10-minute talk about like how it's not only like even the shooting games, but like like there's hunting video games. Yeah, there's the big game hunters yeah. of the world. That's how you got your 270. Exactly. Yep. So yeah, if you missed that 10 minute talk, old yep. Rick here got his 270 M77 Ruger yep. Hawkeye or whatever <laughs> from uh, you got the basically you were you were a product of some good marketing. Yes. Uh, and uh, and some consumerism there. Because you read a magazine that set that had an ad in it for the Ruger yep. M77, and then you played a video game where the 270 was rated as the, yeah. the best, <laughs> like furthest ac- furthest uh, effective range, best accuracy, like minimal recoil, like <laughs> whatever that sold me at 10 years old. But yeah, so how did that minimal recoil thing work out not, when you were a 12 year old with a 270? Didn't work. <laughs> Trent. I remember the first time I, I sh- yeah, to Trent's comment. Trent exactly. commented, he said, hashtag uh, uh, RIP shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. The first time I shot that, I was in it. I was, I think, 11 years old or 12 years old. I was sitting in a chair that had wheels on it. We were at, like the local gun range. And just like now, I had my feet like on the chair, not like on the ground. So I'm like sitting there like this, little like, you know, whatever, 80 pound 12 year old, shoot. And just like went choom, scooting back in the chair, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like to bring that all back, like it's guns in video games can create an awareness about them, even for people like like at the time I had never owned a gun. You know, I'm ten years old, but I knew that's what I wanted someday. Just like you know, to your point, like mm-hmm. it built that thinking in your in your mind that when you did want to buy something, you kind of knew what you right. wanted. So yeah, I think it's interesting what it does to people. Like get some aware of something without ever actually putting their hands on it. That's pretty mm-hmm. neat. Yeah, I, I've I've found some similar things uh, or parallels to the old racing games too. Like yeah, my other favorite. I guess I you know everybody always is like, well, uh, my other favorite, my third favorite, my fourth favorite. But the game that split time with Medal of Honor was Need for Speed Underground. 
And one of the other things that I always enjoyed about both those automotive racing games, especially the underground ones, and then the games that I enjoyed most related to firearms, especially like the the Call of Duty Modern Warfare and stuff, was the customization aspect, you know, and, and the idea that, you know, a racing game is, is supposed to be about driving around and racing, right? And and a, uh, a World War II or a Modern Warfare game is supposed to be around, you know, about going around and eliminating the enemy or mm-hmm. whatever. But they understood that to kids playing those games, the tools that people are yeah. using are really cool, right? So when you're playing Modern Warfare 2 and you're customizing your loadout, you're you're getting the AK-47 or whatever, you're choosing your rifle, you're getting the M16A1, you're getting all that stuff, and you're, you're putting on the different optics on it, which, of course, then magically, there's like that little sidebar over there that says like how accurate yep. it is, and all of a sudden, it's plus like, three. Slap. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> plus three or whatever. You, know, you put the suppressor on there because, oh, well, you know, now my position won't be a released yeah. on the map when I shoot somebody or something. And then, uh, what I mean, you're getting you're getting noob tubes, grenade mm-hmm. launchers, you're getting all that stuff. Like they they put a lot of focus on the actual tools, just like in those racing games. You know, it was like I had racing games where it was just you took the cars that came essentially from the factory. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't allow you to customize stock. it or anything. Stock as is. I didn't. Those didn't last mm-hmm. more than. I don't know, one evening with me because I just mm-hmm. got bored of it. Right. The underground games were the best because you could go and you could put the whole the whole underbody effects. You could put the neon kits. You could put the spoilers. You could tint the windows because, you know, everybody knows that makes your car faster. Yeah. You put the hood scoops on. Decals. adds like 30 horsepower. I mean, yep. stuff like that. And even though, in reality, a lot of the things that the games did, you know, they, they would kind of make up attributes or specs that these accessories would add on and stuff like that. And, and, and a lot of it wasn't really that realistic. You know, like, I remember in the games, it's like you'd put a suppressor on it, it would instantly, like, dock the range of yep. your gun. Like, right. Randomly, it was just kind of like, oh, I guess I have a suppressor on, so I can't shoot as yeah. far. You know, or, or stuff like that would happen. And so I know that there's a lot of kids out there probably who have zero experience with real firearms, mm-hmm. but they have a bunch of, you know, they've prestiged 12 times or whatever in Call of Duty, yeah. and so they think that they're... They know everything about guns, you know, and they come out and they're like, oh, you know, you have a suppressor on that's going to decrease the range, right? Or like, oh, you put a really high mag scope on, so it's really accurate. It's like, well, no, you're just using everything you know from video right. games. But but there was that, they did kind of place that emphasis on the tools, mm-hmm. and I, I always found that found that neat. It, it raised my interest level in firearms, for sure. Totally. Because otherwise, well, I guess, I mean, I always kind of was going to be here at Vortex. Yeah. So I would have found an interest in them somehow. Right. But were it not for that... You know, if I didn't get into hunting or whatever, it would have been just kind of like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, they're just another thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's like the customization is huge because it gives people an idea. Like, like you were saying, you saw what what optic was that that you saw on one of ours in a video game? Uh, the Spitfire Three X. And you in. said it was like pretty accurate, it like is, as far as yeah, they have the reticle. It right, is I identical. Think. They have the reticle, but it's green. It's in player unknowns battlegrounds, which is like a battle royale. Well, or, it's red green in the. Oh, yeah, so they do. It's only green in there, and uh, the bullet drop, the crosshairs, it actually is accurate. So you can look at the mini-map and say, okay, this guy is 300 yards away. I'm going to use this, you know, hash mark. Oh, seriously? And I'm going to hold over, and you'll shoot, bullet drop will drop exactly how you'd expect. For the most part. Obviously, it's not perfect, but it's pretty accurate. 
Well, and that's insane because, like, so many, like, in Medal of Honor Rising stunt, like, you'd be on the, if you're doing the team deathmatch <laughs> or whatever. I know you're going to say. Yeah, you could be on that stage where you're on the battleship and you're, like, forever away from someone. They're on the very opposite side and you take the wall ride. You just hold dead on. You just smoke the dead guy. on. Yeah. yeah. But, like, in that one, that's actually accurate mm-hmm. to real world. Yep. So somebody, theoretically, if they had an understanding of that optic and how it's used in the game, mm-hmm. they could slap that on their AR, and assuming that it's, like, zeroed and everything, they would at least know how to use that. And that it mm-hmm. never touched a gun, you know? And to take it a step further, you can even change your zero in that game. Oh, um, you can? Yeah, so if you were using, like, yeah. you know, some super long distance, you could zero at 200 or wow. 300 or something like that, oh. too. Yeah, I remember when I would play another game that I got was Battlefield, and you could you could switch your zero because they actually yep. had some sort of, like, a, a ballistics... A, a quasi ballistics thing going on there. I don't know how accurate or inaccurate it was, but I did think it was funny. You just like push a button, all of a sudden it was like click your yep. your yeah. zero change, yeah. and it was like whoa, and, uh, nothing happened there. Nobody dialed any turrets. It was just kind of like magic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yep. one thing that's that's cool for me is, I mean, I've been playing video games for twenty eight years or whatever, and to see how they've changed with you know the realism and, and different things like that, where. Uh, you'll get shot in a leg, and you'll move slower because of that. Or Do they seriously do that now? Certain ones will have that feature, um, and then certain ones also, I, they have specific ammo for the gun that you pick up. So if you pick up something that's 7.62, you can only use that, or 5.56. So it's it's just getting so much more advanced, and you can get grip, you can get stocks, you can do all sorts of different customization that 10, 15 years ago wasn't even possible. They'd maybe give you like a paint color or something to choose from, but it's just moved way yeah. more advanced now. And now they have hardcore simulators where those are incredibly detailed with the amount of the work that and equations that they put into it. Hmm. So it's really cool to see those. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Jameson. As somebody who's been playing for a while, what kind of games do you think are more fun? Because we've done, for example, a classic, if you watch our Instagram story, we've done Goldeneye, for example. Now, I think the only thing that probably Goldeneye got semi-accurate is the fact that you eventually have to reload. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it was just kind of hip-shooting a bunch of dudes who would come around a door. Whereas today, you know, there's all these there's all these realistic aspects to it. Is that more fun, or is it more kind of like a, an annoyance, you know, like to when you're trying to... I mean, because is the point now, is it starting to become the point that you actually want to play soldier or is it starting to be is it still the point where it's like oh i just kind of want to have like a mindless activity to i think it's a little bit of both and there really is a video game for whatever you're looking for now but there are some games that do a good good job of meshing the two where it's still kind of arcadey like you look at arcade versus a simulation there are some where it's just like i mean fortnite there's no realism to it at all people run pick it up for 30 minutes and they're done with it and then there's the other end of the spectrum where it's you got to count every bullet there's no heads up display on your screen so if you're not counting your bullets and you just run out of ammo you're you got to remember to reload oh it doesn't tell you yep. all that stuff no on information the nothing like that no mini map and to me those i'm just not as good at those those require a lot more patience a lot more time um i like that middle ground where it's a little bit of both you still have to like focus on what's real and what isn't but uh yeah it's interesting yeah that has been kind of an odd thing because I remember, it, like, as I grew up, I found that games started muddying those two. Mm-hmm. Where I wouldn't want to play, like, Modern Warfare 2, I had zero. Did they even have a campaign? If they did, I didn't even care mm-hmm. about it because mm-hmm. it was just kind of like, oh, 
run to this tree. A bunch of guys jump out, shoot yeah. those guys. Run to the next thing. A bunch of guys jump out, shoot those guys quick. And then it was like, oh, here's your chance. You get to drive like a Jeep. Yep. But then there was like a very laid out course for you to drive a Jeep. And then it was like, okay, you're done. Get out now. You know, and it's, right. it just seemed kind of like they were trying to make it real, but it was super staged. And So it's interesting you say like uh, Modern Warfare 2, if they even had a campaign. We'll, we'll touch on this in a little bit, I'm sure. But there's an iconic campaign mission in that where you get off a or go to an airport with as a Russian like oh, spy yeah. and it actually asks you before the mission like this is graphic do you want to skip it or not oh. and you just mow like everything down but yeah they've really muddied the lines and I even look at like racing and the sims that you like I mean you can go with your Mario Kart style or you can go Gran Turismo Forza where it's like they'll oh, yeah. let you change drive train Everything that I don't know about. And those I was way in over my head, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. those were well, always fun. It, it was Nissan who partnered with Forza, and they partnered with them to actually, because their racing simulator for that racing game was so realistic, or at least claimed to be so realistic, Nissan opened up a uh, something academy or something challenge or whatever where uh, the best racers in the game who opted into this thing got a chance to go to then a real live racing school and test out there. Like these are people who had never been behind the, the car, really? uh, behind the wheel of a car, probably other than their like rusty Honda Civic that yeah. was sitting in their driveway. And now they're driving like they were driving 370Zs. Z's, and, 370s, yeah. yeah, like the GTR and stuff yep. like that. And in that case, then the top drivers within that school or that challenge or whatever actually became Le Mans drivers Whoa. for Nissan. That's now, cool. If anybody is a car person, they would know that that program wound up failing miserably because <laughs> Nissan built a terrible car. It was a front-wheel drive, front-engine Le Mans car where everybody else was driving. Rear-engine, rear-wheel drive. It was a mess. Cars didn't do well. They came out for the 24 hours of Le Mans. One of their cars just sat in the bay for like the first hour of the race, which basically means that you're screwed. And uh, I don't think they did that great. But but they were actually comp- they were like laughed at but but at the same time they were driving cars that go well over in excess of well over 200 miles per hour on a track these people were driving these vehicles and they came out of just playing video games yeah that's incredible that is nuts it kind of like now of course my mind is sparked and i'm sure that people are going to be like just tearing their shirts off and beating their chests and yelling at their radios if i say this but like will the military ever use video games as like a recruiting device in a similar way where it's like I'm not, I'm not, again, I'll say, like, right. the Nissan thing, it kind of blew up in their face, and I don't know if it was the driver's fault or if it was the engineer's fault who built this kind of oddball race car. Yeah. But would, like, would video games ever become so similar to real life where it's kind of like, hey, this person is a really good video game player? I mean, they might be horribly out of shape. I right. don't know. But, right. you know, it's like... So there's, there's two <laughs> ways in which I do think it'll happen. Obviously, the easy one is, like... Virtual reality, and they actually have these. Uh, some company built a facility where you're on kind of these roller tracks, and you can actually run, and it will track your movements. And then you have the VR headset on, and you're holding a real weighted rifle. Yeah. Obviously, there's no you know ammo or bolt in it or anything, and that's super cool. And I think as we progress, that will get something or become something that the military would use for training purposes. Um, so people but- right now are doing it. To test the technology or for yes, fun. Yes, yes. I think we're probably still a decade or two away yeah. from it ever being anything. But the other aspect that I think we'll definitely start using, if not already, is for drones and how they're flying drones around. That's all remote control anyways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so if you could do a simulation of that, I mean, you're just kind of cutting out the actual $50 million drone that's flying around. Hmm. So. 
I think it'll become... Well, and, and even now, people who control the drones overseas, a lot of them control them from over here on the state side. Yep. Yep. And they can just control a plane that's over there. And those drones are huge. If you've they're never seen big. them in real life, they're massive. They're yeah. so much bigger than the pictures make them seem. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw, I think there are small ones that are like that, like a individual soldier can carry and like put out in the field. Right. But I remember like the first time I saw pictures of it, I was like, "That thing looks like a. It's made out of cardboard. Like yeah. I'm sure I could go kick it over." And then you see someone standing next to it, and you're like, "Holy crap! Yeah, wow, that's like twenty times the size of them. <laughs> They're freaky, man. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like big machines that are controlled by little buttons. Windmills, windmills freak me out. Yep. Also, what are the things that look into space? The telescope, telescope. the telescopes. But there's the uh, astro- the domes. Oh, those things with the big giant opening oh. roofs that have the giant telescope. I sound like an idiot right now. Observation bait. Yeah, and it's like an observation observatory, something something like that. Those big giant opening roofs freak me out (laughs) so much because they're this massive thing that's controlled by like a tiny button. Yeah, that's weird. I think it's weird. I also hate driving by cranes. Really? Yeah. Like sandhill cranes? No, I love driving by sandhill cranes because I get the idea (laughs) that maybe someday in Wisconsin we'll be able to hunt. Hey, that's true. Some, uh, those those are ribeye the skies. Yeah. 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 Back to guns. Yes. <laughs> now, I'm sure we'd be remiss to have a podcast like this, and I almost want to get it out of the way sooner right. than later because, you know, people are probably thinking, there. there's certainly people out there who think video games are bad, think the video games are stupid. You see it all the time. People yep. come and like, wow, I, you know, I don't ever play those Sally games. You know, I actually go out and I shoot real guns. You know, okay, cool. That's that's sweet. I, I dig shooting real guns, too. But there are some negatives that come from from video games with firearms in them, right? So, I, I mean, first one that I, we kind of alluded to earlier is the, a lot of the inaccuracies yep. of it. Now, I would be, I'd be curious who's starting to almost, like, consult for video game companies now. Because, like you said, Jameson, they are mm-hmm. starting to throw in things where, um, you know, like like... Getting the right ammo, not just general ammo on the ground from any firearm can mm-hmm. go into any other firearm, you know, like they, they're starting to get that right. Or, you know, uh, other certain attributes of the game and how and how things work. Yep. But there's always going to be those inaccuracies. And, and how many times have you dealt with somebody, you know, for example, they're asking a question on, on social media to one of you guys, and uh, you kind of start wondering, you're like, you know, I wonder how much of the, of the reason they're asking this question or, like, the reason they have this theory is from a video game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some of those things that people have to deal with. I mean, like, what what kind of stuff do you get? What do you think about that? Like, what kind of questions do we get, or or how do we feel about the inaccuracies? Oh, the inaccuracies, I guess. You know, I think I think they're both good and bad. I think if if it was, everyone's just always looking for inaccuracies now in TV shows and yeah. anything. It's like people's goal is to look for mistakes and inaccuracies. Yeah. And yeah, that's true. You know, it's like I, I get it and everything, but it, at the end of the day, it's a video game. It's supposed to be fun. Uh, if it was supposed to be hyper realistic for, say, a military sim, well, they're going to spend the time yeah, to make sure exactly. those inaccuracies don't exist. But you even started, so one of the big ones was like Battlefield recently had some characters that you could play that weren't historically accurate for World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a female. You could play a female soldier. Oh. And so a lot of people were freaking out about that being a playable character, but it's just because people just want to play and pick the character they want and have right. fun. But that kind of came a hot button topic. And then when you start applying it to the firearms and things like that, it is really difficult to get yeah. it completely accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way I think I could ever do yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. 
And then you wonder to those people that are complaining about how inaccurate it is. It's like, well, aren't you just satisfied shooting real guns? Then, like, if you're right. if you know so well right. what is accurate, you likely shoot regular guns. So it's mm-hmm. like, I guess they're just mad that other people don't know haven't yeah. experienced what they've experienced. Yeah, which is just kind of like I never really got that kind of a mindset, you know? Because there's always there's always like the people, for example, where it's like. Somebody who doesn't hunt a lot. You yeah. go over to their house and it's like they cook a mean steak. It's like yeah. great ribeyes. And they come yeah. out and you're like, oh, well, let me tell you what. You haven't had a venison backstrap. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, yep. okay, yeah, I guess I haven't, but I just made a mean ribeye. Like, it right. tastes good to me. You know, where yeah. it's like, yeah, I guess th- I guess you can be upset at the rest of the world because the rest of the world doesn't have the same hobbies and things that you yeah. do. But does that make it? Does that make them bad or stupid? Well, and the other thing to that, too, is if, if the inaccuracies really bother you that much, don't play the game. Right. Nobody's telling <laughs> well, you to. You yeah. don't have to buy go it to the and range. play it. Yeah. yeah. Go to the range. Have well, fun with it. Save your 60 bucks, buy some ammo, and go shoot. Yeah. And like you said, there's there's literally a game out there for like every skill, skill level. level. Like, you can find what you want. Like, mm-hmm. if you want one that's historically accurate and like magazine capacities, like whatever, like you can find that. But... The point of it is to be fun. You're doing it to be entertained. It's like social media. Like, you go on social media, scroll through to, like, be entertained and enjoy yourself. If everything you read was, like, buttoned up, perfect information, social media, I don't think, would be as popular, you know? Mm, that's so, a good point. like, there's, there's, like, that curve. Like, people start at... Everyone starts somewhere, and if it takes, like something maybe a little bit more unrealistic to get someone like interested in it and then they go through those stages as like whether that's video games or whether that's like real life like think about uh someone who picks up a full auto airsoft gun for Mm -hmm. the first time right you know and then they eventually buy like a pellet rifle and shoot a 22 and then before you know it they've gone through all the stages and now they're shooting you know a regular ar-15 that they built same thing as like video games, you know, it's it might start out with what's not the most realistic thing out there, but then you go through those stages of mm. you as a user and now you can equate that to like actual guns, actual firearms, you know. Now they at least have an awareness of it and whether they decide to buy a gun and shoot or not, at least they can respect and understand what the firearm is. You right. Know? I think really getting your hands on a real firearm at some point or another will help you appreciate both things more. Yeah. It helps you appreciate... I know for me, it's helped me appreciate the video games more, and it's helped me appreciate the real firearms more. I played I played shoot 'em up video games and stuff far before I started shooting real firearms. Yeah. And when I started shooting real firearms, I gained a better appreciation yeah. and respect Massive. for both totally. of them. It is so much harder than yeah. just pulling the right trigger on your yeah. Xbox oh controller. And it's, I mean, everything. It's heavier. It's more physical. Yeah. It's mentally tougher. It's like, holy yeah. cow. Yeah. yeah, when you're in the video game, it's like you just, you, you hold down the one button and your guy on the screen goes... <gasps> And then yeah. all of a sudden, it's like nothing moves, and the crosshairs are perfect. And when yep. you pull the trigger, there's no flinch, and there's nothing. You know, like you don't pull the trigger yeah. off or the crosshairs off the target. And you know, like I also gained. I, I thought it was funny too. Like the first time I held an AR-15, I remember that I built my first AR-15 with my brother Dave. He's been on the podcast here a couple times. I actually got a bunch of the parts one for my birthday, and I, it was like. I turned 18. I got a bunch of the parts. We went down to the basement and built it on that on that very birthday. And I remember holding it and it was both really cool and kind of disappointing. Not going to huh. lie, at the same time. Because I held it and it was sort of like finding Bigfoot, if you will. Okay, so bear with me for a second. 
I love the theory of Bigfoot. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. love it. And I want Bigfoot to be real in the worst way possible. And I know that a bunch of people think it's stupid, but I don't care. Because the mystery of it is exciting. Mm-hmm. The mystery of like, maybe if I go into the woods somewhere in the PNW, I might stumble across this giant eight foot ape that's been living out there, yep. you know, unseen for thousands of years. I love the idea of that. But if I ever found Bigfoot, it would ruin the whole thing. Yeah. Because then I would, what mystery do I have left that's exciting in my life? So, like I said, in some ways I had that level of disappointment because it was like playing video games. You're grabbing the M4s. You're grabbing the Scar 17. Next thing you know, some guy that you got, you know, has an AK-47. You pick that up off the ground. You're shooting the Vectors. You're shooting the UMP-45s. It's like you're shooting all this cool stuff, right? And it's always kind of like this pie in the sky. This is the stuff the soldiers and awesome people like that use. And then all of a sudden, I was holding a real AR, and I was like, well, this is it. Yeah. This is the pinnacle. Like, I've reached it. There's nothing... I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, now it's I've, I've seen a Scar 17 now in real life, too. And that was another one of those things where it was like, well, now I've seen it. I guess that's yep. not like yeah. a that's not like a dreamy thing that I can maybe. Su- it's like it's done. The, right. the journey of eventually seeing and holding and feeling and shooting a Scar 17, an AR-15. Chris Vector is now yeah. gone. And so, but at the same time, it is fulfilling because you're like, wow, this is the thing that I've been playing video games. Right. It's like the thing that I've idolized. Well, yeah. that was one of the coolest things, too, uh, is... Using the vector, using you know the UMP forty five and all those things, and then actually holding one in your hand, yeah, you're just like, oh my gosh, this is the gun that I always used. Like mm-hmm. Scar seventeen is one of them. That is like the best when it comes to video games because there's no Everybody recoil. Wants it, one. It, it just shot straight all the time, super badass. And then to actually see one, you're just like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is amazing. Yeah. Like, all right, I've reached my pinnacle. Yeah. They're always they're always smaller in person for some reason mm-hmm. too. Like, the first time I saw a Scar 17, I was like, oh, it's actually not that big. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's a big it's a big gun, don't right. get me wrong, but it's not as big as I thought. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing, too, there is, like, as a society, we're, like, a very curious society. Like, people want to, like, learn things that, like, DIY stuff, anything DIY mm-hmm. on the internet is, like, mm-hmm. huge, you know, whether that's guns or not. So, like, even if, you know, like, to the naysayers that might think, like, guns and video games is just, like, brainwash and poo-hooing that. Yeah. Like, to those people, I would say, like, even if the gun in, in a video game just got the person to, like, go into, like, a retail store and at least, like, look at it, whether they bought it or, or not or never decided to fire a gun their entire life, I think that's a win for the, the firearm industry. It's a win for video games. It's a win for everyone. Because now that person has a respect for, for like, what it is that they're seeing mm-hmm. in their digital experience. And now they're bringing that into their real world, whether they buy it or not, they at least have that respect for it. And I, I don't know. I think mm-hmm. I would venture to say that's a win for everyone, yeah. you know? so. And I've seen it many times, too, of course, where you have somebody who's, who's kind of grown up not anywhere around real guns, but they've seen them on TV, they've seen them in video games and stuff, and then all of a sudden they're given one or they buy one or they're, you know, somebody hands them one at the range and, and, you know, you can tell that it's, they're going to need a little handhold. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so that nobody gets hurt. And that's, that's one of those things. That's where you start to get into some of the, it depends on the person. Yeah. Right. Because I know some people like, for example, Jameson, when Jameson came here and he, had, he hadn't been into like real firearms necessarily yeah. prior to working at Vortex. At least I know I like, I could tell that he has the, the emotional and just sort of like common sense knowledge that 
when we took him out to the range, he wasn't going to be like, wow, this is super cool, guys, and sweep, just flag yeah. and sweep everybody on the range. You know, so, but it was good for us to be there because we were helping him figure out, like, you know, how to actually, because, you know, when you're in a video game, you're holding a controller in your hands, whereas, you know, the guy on the screen is the one who's shouldering mm-hmm. it, who's, you know, holding it right and gripping yeah. the forend right and all that stuff. So, you know, we were, we were working on that. And uh, you wound up now shooting a full three-gun match, which yeah. involved an AR-15, a shotgun, and a pistol, and you did yep. quite well at it. Uh, didn't get last. Yep, and now I own one of each. I exactly. own my own pistol, my own shotgun. Didn't DQ Eric. either. Didn't DQ, didn't DQ like DQ Eric. Either. So yeah. it's <laughs> didn't, going well. Exactly, didn't DQ like Eric, who Shots has been fired. around uh, guns since, <laughs> he was, since he was a, a tadpole. But, <laughs> yeah, you, you, like I said, it depends on the person, and you, and you hope that those people out there that, might not really truly understand the full scope of what they're doing when they when they hold a real firearm. You hope that that somebody in their life is going to be there with them to teach them the ropes mm-hmm. and and hopefully in a way that doesn't just sour them on the thing forever. Because yeah. there's always the people who are like, you know, like, give me that. You know, you're doing it. You yeah. look like an idiot. And and yeah, great job recruiting people to be firearms enthusiasts. Right. <laughs> um, if you're that kind of person, but. But yeah, you hope that when there's those people that somehow somebody is there for them or they they, they have the common sense perhaps to take a class or something cuz that's where that's where I think the like the gun video games can can start to they make somebody excited about firearms, mm-hmm. right? And it's just that somebody has to have the proper outlet for that excitement, right? right. In a respectable manner, you know, and responsible. That was the word. Yeah, the respo- yep. a responsible manner so that they don't wind up hurting themselves or other people which which right. It's hard to say which one's worse because obviously they hurt themselves. That's bad, but you know I think that when other people become a victim of somebody else's choices, that's just, that's just even worse. Yeah. But I've always thought the same thing because I've mentioned, like I said, I used to play the racing games, and I remember the first racing game was the underground game that I saw before the game started. They had a warning where it was like drive it was like closed course drive uh drive like this in the video games. Don't drive like this on the street. Mm-hmm. And I was like. Oh, it's kind of sad that we have to put that in a video game, right. you know, because it's like, I know I'm not going to go 170 yeah. miles an hour, no brakes, and then rip a 90 degree left turn because the physics in this game are so jacked up, you know. But I guess other people don't know that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's scary because, yeah, then, I mean, I'll be honest with you, like, as far as a car goes, if somebody plays a video game, they play Need for Speed, and they think that they can go 170 and do a turn and not have to break or lift or do anything, and they crash and they roll into a tree or whatever and hurt themselves, I, it sounds terrible, but I'm kind of like, you should have known. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's that's kind of on you. But if they do it and they roll into a minivan with a mom and three kids, then I'm... <sighs> yeah, and, yeah. and I think, like you said, in, whether it's racing or, you know, like Call of Duty or something like that, it's really the person. I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't is. think the racing game or the the shooting game is the catalyst for them being irresponsible. Yeah, it's the person prior to even totally. playing it just yeah. being yep. an irresponsible person. Like I forget what. Uh, I mean, there's a. I think it might have been Columbine that they they like somehow tied that back to Doom. Like the yeah, the, video those, game. those kids played a lot of Doom. Yeah, and and they did so. The the biggest one too, uh, video game that kind of came under fire for you know just being able to do whatever you want was Grand Theft Auto Three. It was the first three D right. video game where you could literally do whatever you want. I mean, you could go anything goes. Pick up yeah. a prostitute and you could you know do whatever with them or you right. shoot them and drive off hide behind a dumpster your wanted stars would go away and nothing would happen and it kind of created this um yeah you get killed you just hit restart right yeah. and it yep. created this narrative with the media that the video games are it's what is brainwashing kids to do bad things right. and you could apply that to pretty much anything movies 
television. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Anything. And again, I go back to it's it's the person much before that, and it's I don't think it's the video game's fault, but of course the media wants someone to attack, and they're yeah. going to choose the easiest option. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other option, of course, the actual firearm too. Yeah. Right. Which so many people blame, and it's like I mean, how many times have you seen somebody out there? Be, and and it's it's a correct frame of mind where it's like you set a gun on the table, and it's like that that gun's not killing anybody. Right. You know. Yeah takes a brain and you know a finger on the trigger to do bad things yeah mm-hmm. uh, or to do perfectly fine things too yeah. and and ultimately I think you know that brain is the biggest is the biggest thing and and right each totally. person has a brain they use how they choose to use it is up to them or you know whatever and so you you hope that again like I said that if somebody is playing these games or something like that and they they do then become interested in the firearms that somebody is there in their life to help them do it in a responsible manner or or that they have kind of fortitude or whatever the mental fortitude to actually think to maybe take a class mm, first right. which there are many yeah there you are. can uh, you, you don't have to take like some full-on carbine class though I think if you're actually interested in in video games, you'd probably enjoy right. one of the many courses that are around the country. You got people like Magpul Corps who tours the country and they have different courses. But then yeah. you also have, there's a lot of local shooting ranges and clubs where they'll do classes and things. Uh, or you can go to some competitions. Like, like Jameson, as a video game player, you know, a lot of times in video games, you're doing run and gun style stuff, right? Mm-hmm. When you did a three gun match, like compare that, compare when you actually ran and ga- run, ran and gunned. Dang it. Wow, that is tough. Run and gun. When you run and gun, run and sure, gun. we'll just say that. It's just run and gun is one word. We're going to add an ED on the end. Like, Okay. Uh, when you run and gun through that Texas course, the Shooter Stores three-gun match, which is kind of unique because it's a terrain match and there's mm-hmm. you know, you're running through the woods and stuff. Yeah. Uh, compare that back to like a video game. What, what, what were your emotions compared to when you're playing a video game running and shooting around? I mean, there it was actually pretty similar in that you know you kind of had your plan of attack so how am I going to go through this stage how am I going to go through this level mm-hmm. and, and do it and then the, the adrenaline was pumping way more uh, at shooter source obviously I mean you get the feeling you get you know everything the smells even everything yeah. is there mm-hmm. and you notice a gunpowder it's a lot different than when you're sitting on your couch just yes. running through some level that's generated yeah. but gunpowder gun in video games to me smells like chili cheese Fritos yes yeah, exactly. and, yep. <laughs> and, and sweaty kids who haven't showered yeah. in a while uh, yeah. but I, there were definitely some 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 similarities if I could talk between the two of them but I mean there's no way to match when you're actually out there shooting in the three gun. Like it's it's just one of a kind. I think that adrenaline rush that you talked about is a really good point because, like, even like for myself, and I think this this is like can be equated to anything. Like your first time driving a car, you've driven vehicles in in video games for w- years or whatever. <laughs> yeah. First time you get behind a wheel, there's like there's feelings there, there's bumps, there's like mm-hmm. you know there's stuff that you're taking into account. And like, you remember the first time you pushed on the accelerator? Yeah, oh. it's like the yeah. Please tell me. Thing. Please tell me I'm not the only person to have pushed on the accelerator and thought that like it was either off or all the way on, yeah. and then all of a sudden you just like w- like got whiplash because yeah. you're like, whoa, that's a. Uh... Well, I didn't think there was any pressure sensitivity on it. I thought, <laughs> yeah, it's either on the metal, like pedal to the metal, or just not touching. Yep. it. Because in the video yeah. games, you're either slamming down the R trigger. There's no halfway. <laughs> no, yeah, you don't do that. I remember yeah. my poor mom when I was in my learner's permit stage, just getting just her head rocked yeah. back and forth because she now just give it a little. Oh uh, no no. Little get okay now you're not on the okay get little get okay yeah my mom would hold the uh, little bar the o- yeah bar yeah right. the o- bar the whole time it's like mom you're really not doing anything for my confidence yeah. by holding that right well, yeah now. so thanks for that yeah 
Yeah. But that all that adrenaline stuff is like like even, you know, when I shot my first three gun match last year too, like I mean, I've been around guns for a long time, but like when I was running through the the course at the uh Hornady's Zombies in the Heartland shoot or whatever, I was like like you had the ad- adrenaline rush that you would get after like a, like a sports event or mm-hmm. like anything that took you out of your element. And like shooting a video game or shooting a gun in a video game is sweet. Like you see the the gun go off or whatever, but you don't smell the gunpowder. You don't feel the recoil. Oh, right. You don't like feel the weight of the gun in your hand. It's a totally different. Experience. And there's a reset button in video games. Yeah, yeah there is not at a, at a shooting. Oh, if you get a three yeah. gun shooter source or something like that, you have yeah. ten stages. You screw up or you get DQ'd. You're yeah. done. You're yep. done. Exactly. Yeah, I did have some adrenaline moments in video games, like when you're on a kill streak in Call of yeah. Duty. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. You want to get that? You want to drop yep. a nuke? Yep. Mm-hmm. I never dropped a nuke in Call of Duty. No, I never did either. A few of those really? In my time. Did you yeah. seriously? Yeah. That was 25 Nerd. straight kills, not counting kill streaks. So Nerd. I've been there. It's wow. The Oh, man. If I could have a one-to-one like kill death ratio in Call of Duty, I was doing good. We used to always was, sit there, <laughs> and I was very poor at yeah. the one-to-one. I wouldn't <laughs> let my friends play on my account because I didn't want to lose my, my KD ratio. Me, yeah. and it's like, dude, I'm at like two point one right now. Just don't even touch yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I remember I wanted to strangle my friend, which probably goes into you know, well, the video games are teaching you violence. <laughs> uh, and it, it, he was my best friend, and I, I didn't actually want to strangle him, but I did. Because I went all the way up to level seventy in Call of Duty, and Ooh. I and he was like, "Dude, you got a prestige. It's super awesome, man. You'll get like another class of weapons that you can like load out ahead of time, so it saves you time." And I was just like, "No, I'm at level seventy. I have every gun, every accessory, every pistol, every th- every whatever unlocked." I was like, "I am done. I'm not gonna go back to level one. Yeah, prestige." <laughs> <laughs> and one time then we were playing, I went to the bathroom and when I came back, I was like, Where are all my st- where are all my things? And I was like, Why does it say I'm level one again? He's like, Oh, I pr- I prestige. Oh you. man. No. Oh, oh, man. But, Devastating. But speaking of prestige and that word, one other thing that I think is really important as well with, with then transitioning from the video games to the real guns is that it's important for people to be humbled. Mm-hmm. And when you actually go to shoot a real gun, yep. it's a very humbling experience, especially when you are somebody with this prestige status, you know, or whatever, and, you know, you're you're poning noobs and, you know, like, oh, don't use the new tube, it's cheating, you're such a noob, you know, and then all of a sudden that person goes out and it's like, hey, here, hold this, and they're like, whoa, an AR-15 is yeah. actually kind of heavy, and, you know, like, oh, wow, I actually have to hold it steady myself yeah. and pull the trigger the right way, and I'm missing a lot, and... And now I'm really nervous because people are watching me and I look bad and I don't know how to do this. And so it's like if I'm ever going to like move and shoot, I'm moving really slowly. And, oh, I have to reload a magazine so I don't have sleight of hand yeah. pro. So I can't like, you know, reload it in two point, you know, whatever. Or like yeah, point two blink seconds. Yeah, blink of an eye. Yeah. All the, you know, and you can't like... You can't like run up to a rubber dummy and just all of a sudden grab a knife out of thin air and just and then it's instantly. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest, that was me. I mean, I I was don't want to toot my own horn too much, but I was pretty good at video games. Like I was always one of the better ones of my friends. Uh, you know, reaching the max yeah. level in Halo. Too you had the nuke. That. I was yeah, I got the you nuke. Got, a few if times. you got to nuke level, you're pretty right. Good. So I'm thinking here, I'm good. I'll just be able to come in, into the shooting world, real real like real life shooting, and be okay. And it was way harder yeah. than I thought it would be. And to your point, like you can't run through a stage and then just like not be tired and hold a yeah. joystick and hold your breath and everything like yeah. stays stationary. It's like no, when I was running through the stages in three gun. I was out of breath. I could barely keep my yeah. reticle on the target. And just like, wow, definitely put me in my place. And yeah. It's like, sure, you can be good at video games, but it's an entirely different world. 
uh, when you yeah. actually take it into real life. The cool thing about that, though, is like like you saw at the shooter source, you know, the shooting community is so like they want you to mm-hmm. feel comfortable. They want to yeah. help you out. Like the amount of people like giving you tips and like same thing for people who are listening that like, you know, might be on the fence whether or not this is something that they're going to get involved in. Like. They can come to, like, you know, for example, we had the Hunter Sighting event here at Vortex where people came to the range and shot. And, like, there were people shooting stuff that, like, wasn't doing well or whatever. And you get, like, instant feedback from people that are, like, people want, everyone in this lifestyle wants more people, a part of it. And I think, like, Mm -hmm. that's what you would say that you saw. absolutely. At the shooter store, so. Yeah. And this, this industry has benefited, I think, greatly from firearm enthusiasts and you look at the number of people out there now who, in recent years, you had you know certain people in politics that some people dubbed the greatest gun salesman or people right. in history, you know, or whatever. And there's there's been a lot of people uh, buying firearms lately, and um, a lot of those people were first time firearm buyers. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that all of a sudden a giant portion of the population turned eighteen and could go get a firearm. It was that a lot of people had always been interested in them. Probably had seen them in movies and in video games and on TV and stuff. And then came this time, you know, and I'm not, uh, uh, what's the word? I'm not um, promoting or saying that I think it's really good that there's, like, gun scares and stuff, you know, which I think there's always the misconception that's like, well, I'm sure everybody at Vortex loves when there's a gun scare. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, okay, if we're real short-term thinkers, yeah, sure, great. Gun scares are awesome, but the next thing you know, it's like two years you're out of business. So, uh, no, I don't (laughs) love them, but, you know, it did happen where a lot of people kind of started getting firearms. And... And then you just start seeing now the culture of firearms has blossomed like tremendously. Look back to when we first started Vortex. Like if somebody would have said that you were ever going to have rifle scopes, not only just have rifle scopes, but have them be the biggest portion of your business, like bigger than binoculars and spotting scopes and rangefinders combined, mm-hmm. we would have just laughed. Yeah, I mean, we would have been rolling, you know. And then now, only like fifteen. Pl- oh, I wrote, terrible at math on the spot 16 years later yeah 17 years later <laughs> proof give yep. or take uh <laughs> somewhere in there neighborhood there there you have it you know so it's like that all happened so quickly and so you have people that are now uh taking more ownership over the firearm culture and promoting second amendment rights you know now they have a stake in the game because yeah. they have an ar-15 and they're safe or whatever and you also have too. Let's talk. I mean, we can we can of course bring up the hunter thing. Yeah. Because you know I'm sure that there's plenty of outdoorsmen out there and people who never like to spend more than an hour inside or whatever because oh I want to be out in the mountains yeah, I want to be yep. hunting I want to be doing this like super cool I re- I respect the heck out of that lifestyle and it's like in many ways though you probably have a lot of just people who think guns are awesome and bought them you know just to be able to shoot them or just to have them or just to collect them you should be thanking them too right totally because 100%. there's uh i mean you have the Pittman Robertson yep. am I right with the name yep. on that yep which states i mean there's a tax on every single item yeah. related to those uh to those items maybe not no yeah you're right is it everything related to a firearm yeah it's it's uh gosh it's guns it's ammo ammo is the huge one that's why oh, i mean yeah, this is yeah. this th- that's why i think this is even a topic all in, of itself because you know, as a hunter, like I, speaking of myself here personally, like I might shoot a box of ammo to sight in my 270 before deer season, maybe. Then it's sighted in, you know. So like, yeah, that box of ammo that I just bought, a little bit of that funding went back into what I what I love to do. 
But I think, you know, every hunter has a shooter to thank for a lot of the Pittman-Robertson funding. Because, mm-hmm. like, I look at a guy like Ruben who is shooting, I don't even... Thousands. I, you, I can't even put a number on it, like, how much he's shooting, you know? He is doing way more for, like, PR contributions than I am. And, and, and that's, I don't know, that's why I think that's a really cool topic in and of itself. Because, like, the shooting community, or the hunting community is very heavily funded by shooters and it's all we're on the same team there so yeah yeah it's huge very big but and and that's the other thing too like if you're you know wondering how to get into this like you don't and you're looking at like buying a gun buying ammo is like this big you know insurmountable task i guarantee you know people listening to this could go and just ask their neighbor who has love to take them out yeah Buy, yeah. buy oh, their yeah. ammo for the day if that's mm-hmm. it. You know, it's ten bucks, and you just you know learned a new. Everybody gets new excited skill. about that kind of stuff when they see mm-hmm. somebody else interested in the same stuff. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. I mean, if your neighbor has guns and the kind of people with like boarded up windows and like a beware of dog sign, yeah, and, like, don't. five Rottweilers outside that are always barking at you and snarling. I mean, don't go up to that guy's house and yeah. ask him to borrow his gun. But you know, find a different neighbor. But to get to and consider moving, go into your to get people into hunting and to get people into shooting. Um, one thing I want to say is, back when I was growing up, there was you know big game hunter would come out on the system like phenomenal N sixty four all of those all the time, and those have really fallen by the wayside. Yeah, in recent years, there's another one called like the hunter call of the wild. Yeah, it's not nearly as good, and I think that is something that developers should look into in yeah. terms of recruiting because if you can get a kid playing that. You know, from a young age, uh, kind of mm-hmm. learning the the ins and outs of hunting, you yep. know, tracking, you know, totally. sense, all of that stuff. It's just a great way to segue. Yeah, yeah. people who maybe couldn't afford it at first, but they're like, "Wow, I really enjoy that experience in the game." Eric, could I come out hunting with yeah, you, even yeah, if yeah. I just kind of tail you? Yep. Everything, yeah, everything that I'm interested in now, oddly enough, as an adult, I had a video game. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I love cars. And it's because my brother got me playing Need for Speed, Hot Pursuit 2, and Need for Speed, Porsche Unleashed. He got me playing those on PC with a joystick, by the way. We had a joystick. It was sweet. Yeah, it was legit. He got me playing those when I was like six or seven. And I played those nonstop. And now I'm a huge car fan, Mm, you know? And it's like I played the Medal of Honors, the Call of Duties, the Battlefields. I played Army Men. Great game. Yeah, yep. And and like I then I always thought I always thought firearms were cool, you know, and I've gotten into those. I'm trying to think of like what else I mean, I played Madden all the time and I wound right. up playing football in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, or just getting into sports and yep. stuff. And uh and that was a way for me to like connect with my brother too, who played football in college and uh yeah, it's like all those all those video games I the, got it. I got into those things in real life. Yeah, almost like a root of your current hobbies was was video games back in the day. And yeah. it's crazy, like like the Madden thing. Like back when I was playing Madden, I could name like like the third string backup long snapper totally. on the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> yeah, like I could do it. And now, like since I've been removed from, like I don't don't play Madden anymore. I don't. I like I. There's people on the Packers yeah. that I couldn't even name. Right. So like you, it, it gives you so much. Like it actually does teach you stuff. You know. Well, Whether it's Madden or the shooting community. Or Call of Duty, yeah. I mean, going back to what you talked about earlier, historical video games and just all sorts of even new ones. I mean, you learn so much that you would have not picked up a textbook and started yeah. to read about. Yep. It's it's another way of teaching 
you different things in a way that can be more engaging and hold your interest. Because yeah. if you would have asked me when I was in fifth grade to read a history book on, you know, X, Y, Z, I would have been like, no, thanks, man. Just, I'm good. And yeah. then if you gave me a video game and said, this is going to teach you it all and you're going to have yep. a lot of fun doing it, I'd be like, mm-hmm. all right, sign me up. Yeah. And that's actually kind of what got me into history. I would have done history major if uh, I just would have done it, but I didn't. Uh, because of video games and like yeah. World War Two and, and World War One, all of that stuff is yeah. super fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. I'd be really curious if in like, you know, I don't know, a decade or whatever, if a lot of these like state agencies or whatever, you know, that are recruiting hunters and shooters and mm-hmm. stuff, if they're going to start adopting video games, like virtual re- reality or something, because like it, it's... Right now, they have like learn to hunt, learn you know, learn to fish classes, stuff like that. I'd be really curious if they start adopting mm-hmm. virtual reality or video games of some sort to start getting people like getting more people right. involved. Yeah, you I'm know? gonna do something really weird here on the Vortex podcast, and I'm actually going to bring up a competitor, uh, and it, it is Aimpoint. Yeah, and I was walking around at Shot Show in Las Vegas, and they had a really cool display in their booth where you would get up on a platform and you put on a VR set of goggles and they had a like a TV or maybe it was all like everything that they were seeing was in the goggles. I don't remember how it worked, but everything they were seeing was in the goggles, but there was a TV outside showing everybody behind yeah, them what, what they, they were, were looking, looking at. at. And then they had in the game loaded up their red dots and then they were uh, they were on like uh, they were hunting hogs or something like that really? with these things, and so people were VR shooting with their red dots, Holy like crap. hogs, and you could you could watch what this person was looking at and and doing on this TV next to them, and yeah, I mean, there's like an example it's of crazy. of exactly like what you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty. Wild. It's like <laughs> it's not perfect, but it gives you a pretty good idea yeah. of what it's like to. To use that red yeah. dot yep. in, in a real-life situation. Yep. VR, though, guys. That's the future. What do you think? I think I think the military will be using it soon enough, if they're not already. Yeah, we but do you know. think we're going to turn into the Matrix? Probably, but I'm okay with that. Uh, gosh, this is where the nerd aspect comes Ask out Ask me red or blue, I'm taking both pills. Okay. I'm going what to would, the Matrix. What would that do? Have you ever done it? No. <laughs> Neither have I. <laughs> right <laughs> answer. All right, well, JMO's spoof of The Matrix is going to come up soon. I don't know, man. I don't know what to think about VR because I really don't like the idea of it, and yet it's kind of like the impeding or whatever. It's like it's like the 10-ton giant that you just can't stop. It's like it's happening. People are doing VR. It freaks me out. It makes me think we're going to be in The Matrix that we're going to need to be unplugged. Tell you what, me, what if we're in the yeah. Matrix right now? Yeah. Right. You know, what are we doing? We what is? What, yeah. <laughs> I'll be buying a VR soon, of course. Um, oh. You never get the first rendition of something in terms of technology when it comes out because there's always bugs with it. So the next one will be coming out soon, and I'm going to get that. I'll bring it in, and your mind will be the open. Ne- wh- when you say the next one, what is it? The next one, what? It's just called so, VR? Is that well, a, br- no, is that a there, brand? There's different you know, manufacturers. The one I'm looking at, HTC Vive. And they'll be making the HTC Vive 2.0. Is soon. that the thing where you plug your phone into it and you look like you no, got a this giant is, like, this is much different. on your face? This one's an actual, you have to hook it up to a computer that has a graphics card and, and different things to be able well, to run it. How big of a room do you need for this? Probably the size of this without the table here, so 10 by 10, 8 by 8. Are you actually going to be running around? You don't do move. You... Yeah, you use a joystick to do that, but you look around otherwise. But uh, I'll bring it in That's when I get wild. it, whenever it comes out. And we'll, we'll, What's we'll the point we of that? Do. When I played... When I played Call or Medal of Honor Rising Sun, I could look around. 
<laughs> I just use a joystick while to turning do it. your head, though. No. Well, there you go. <laughs> You're Why fully immersed. Turn my head. You can't see anything around you, but the just plug your just plug your PlayStation into the IMAX. <laughs> Ask IMAX that would theater be cool. if you can borrow. Rent it out. For that two would hours. be mind melting. Uh, we might have to do that. Play, dude. That would be the hardest thing not to screen peek on the yeah, IMAX. Right? Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> oh, that I would can't, be cool. I can't get behind VR. That's all right because you don't. Have that's to. that's where my mind starts to go into the whole like, okay, at that point, if you're immersing yourself in it that much, just go do it. That's but true. I also understand that like, you know, there's the time thing. But yeah, well, think of this. Think of this. Big game hunter. Yes. They're doing an Alaskan moose hunt. All right, all right. How much money would that cost when Many I could thousands. buy a $400 VR set and a $60 game, and I could feel what it's like to Ish. hunt yeah. in Alaska? Ish, yeah. Ish. Very very loose. It's definitely, right, yeah. definitely nowhere near what it would actually be. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, just tell me that you're also going to do real things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would never... They are not... One is not a substitute for right. the other. It's just one is kind of this a is just your intro. fun thing yeah. to do yep. when you're not doing. Well, it's real like things. after work. I don't have time to go to Alaska, so I'm just gonna play some yeah. video games where I get to do it. My goal is that Jameson's gonna get this thing. It would be really interesting to podcast this would be. about. Yeah, Jameson's gonna get this thing, and then we're gonna go on a real Alaskan hunt with Jameson mm-hmm. and ask him what he likes better. Yep. All right, I'm in. Sign me up. He's going to shoot like a 60-inch bull moose on VR and then match it in real life. Yeah, and then we're always going to be like, ah, screw off, thing. go back to your stupid games. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I think I think VR is going to be like the, the craziest educational resource out there, but it's like, it's like social media where it's like when it gets abused, then that's where... And but that's true of anything. The day know? I walk into a because re- I already you I was just in a restaurant this last weekend where there was some kid and this kid was in the restaurant with his parents and his parents no joke no there was food on the table guys like mm-hmm. and it wasn't even like everything had been picked over and they were done just waiting on the check there was food like like fresh out on this table kid had his Bose Beats headphones on or Dre mm-hmm. Beats or whatever headphones on and he was just hunched over in his cell phone. His parents then also had their heads buried in their cell phones, yeah. yep. and that's what they were doing. They were just sitting there. Nobody was talking. And that and is I was, bad. I that's hate that. terrible. Yeah. That is terrible. And the day that I walk into a restaurant and I see some kid at the dinner table, and he's just got a parasite on his face <laughs> of a VR machine strapped to his head, and he's there, and he's, uh, you know, like... There's a movie on this, and a book. It's a book first, and uh, I read it on, on the, the way game? down. It's or, Ready Player One. Yeah. I listened to the audiobook on the way down to Shooter Source yeah. in Texas you? with you guys. Yeah, it's the only way I could stay awake while driving at, like, 2 in the morning. Um, <laughs> but that, they talk about how, like, virtual reality with a headset takes over. And yeah. it's super crazy. Like people become oh, obsessed so it's like with the it. Matrix, but with VR instead exactly. of like giant spikes yep. in your neck. Yeah. Okay. So it was a really, really good book and movie. Uh, and it's like, yeah, there will be a day when we're gonna have to make a decision on how we kind of stop or moderate that because it's already pretty bad. I was at right. Noodles eating dinner, and the kid was doing the same thing. Didn't even talk to his parents once or pick his God, ass. that's why. And I just wanted to go and slap doing? the phone out of his hand and then right? slap just his stomp parents on too. it, and then just tell that kid he's a little. Little jerk. Yep. And his parents. Let <laughs> yeah. them know as well. Yeah. Mostly mostly the parents. But also yeah. just I want to tell the kid that he's yeah. a little jerk. Yeah. But and that careful. made me that <laughs> that made me think of something else too. Uh we were talking about the Matrix and then oh, Wally. 
mm. could be like Wally. Mm-hmm. That'd be bad. Yeah, yeah. But we were also uh, Ryan Muckenhern found a little fig plant that was growing inside of a tiny glass bottle, oh. and we determined that if ever the world turns into Wally, mm-hmm. that the little robot going around would find that little fig plant inside that bottle in its own like little utopia, and then start it all over again. Yeah, and then start yeah. It all over. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> What else related to video games? That that wasn't the thing, but it did make me think of something. How did fig plants in a bottle make me think of who knows? There's a lot of stuff that you could talk to about this stuff though. Mm-hmm. Oh, VR yeah. and video games and guns. What do you say we dive into last calls and if anybody feels like there's further topics we should expound or expand upon, then they can hit us up. So we're gonna last call. Uh I'll start. And I'm going to say that, uh, you know, naturally, I feel like one thing that we didn't dive in a, a ton on, and it's and it's a hard thing to dive in on, but we did we did kind of get to the root cause of it, is that it depends on the person a great deal. Yeah. And if you are a person who's playing video games and you think, you, you know, guns are super awesome and you want to get into them responsibly, super awesome, I think that's great. You know, and a lot of people are going to point out the fact that video games teach violence and they teach you know, kids to it literally like like crave violence or crave, yeah. you know, like you get points for essentially right. for taking lives. Yeah, it's a game of fire. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a lot of people want to want to point that out, and I, I guess I just think to myself, you know, the same thing gets pointed out about firearms, and it's like you can't blame those things. It's 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 in the end, it's up to the person whether or not they're going to decide to do something crazy. And I and I think that the kind of person who plays a video game and they become and they get an obsessive personality over wanting to go and try and kill people, that if they didn't have video games, something else would make them want to yeah. go. And do yeah, that. yeah. Totally. You have how many 100%. serial killers in the past have gotten their start because like they like poached squirrels in their backyard yep. yeah. and they just got yeah. got a real weird kick out of it, you yep. know? Yep. It's like if it's not video games, there's clearly something, something going on right, prior to right. the video yeah. Games, yeah, which I know is a dark conversation, uh, but it leads me into a quote that I believe, and in fact, Ryan Muckin here is here because we're going to do a 10-minute talk right after this. He can confirm this. I think it was a Benjamin Franklin quote, and uh, he said, I would rather, and, and if I, I may be paraphrasing or I may be getting just the gist of it, but I know it was, I would rather live free and dangerous than safe as a slave. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather live Powerful. free and dangerous with that video is. games that have firearms in them and with war yeah, video games and World War II awesome Medal of Honors and stuff uh, than safe as a, uh, as, a, as a slave in a community with no gun video games. Yeah. That's my last call. Ryan, did I get that? Was that Ben Frank? He's got... <laughs> All right, hmm. sounds good. All right, Eric. I, alphabetical order. You're next, yeah. even though we totally screwed it up. With yeah. The first, <laughs> I guess. Like, so I t- I've told you guys a story of my buddy who I was deer hunting with that had the AK-47. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you said it on the podcast? I haven't. Though? So Go for have it. to. So this guy. <laughs> this is opening day of gun deer season. Probably about eight years ago. We're walking into the woods, single file line, eight people. Not going to see a deer because we had no idea what we were doing. My buddy has on snowmobile pants that are swishing with, with every step. He's wearing a uh, orange ski mask with two holes cut in the eyes and one hole cut in the mouth. <laughs> holding an AK-47 with a red dot on top. And everyone's on pins and needles. It's opening morning. The sun is just cresting the, the horizon. Like Every sound, you're like on 10, you know. All of a sudden, my buddy Nick turns around. Hey, I feel like Tom Clancy's advanced warfighter, <laughs> you know? 
Okay, so where I'm going with that is like that guy got into hunting, got into shooting because because of video games. And that guy has bought a hunting license every year since playing Tom Clancy's Advanced Warfighter. Because he loved the feeling. Because he loved the feeling. Does so he like, still use an AK-47? He still uses an AK-47. <laughs> Gotta love it. So if that's what it takes to get new people involved in it is what we're passionate about, I'm all for it. Like, I, at I first, I didn't sweet. see where that was going. No, but now I, I didn't get it. Wrapped it around. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so so my last call is, is this. Uh, I'm a huge video game nerd, as we've kind of established already. When I see our optics in video games, it gets me hyped. Like, I can't wait to unlock that, to go pick it up. In fact, I'll kind of ignore all the other optics that they have and just use ours because it's so cool to me. Good man. So for any of our listeners out there who are listening and play video games as well, if you want to see more video games with our, with our optics or with just anything like that in general, hit us up, let us know, and I'll do my best to see if I can get us in some more video games because it makes me excited, and I'm sure other people would get excited. I thought you were about well. to lay down like a serious promise where it was like, I will. Yeah. Get I'll do my best. My email. <laughs> yeah, but, I'm a, but, we, but we had an I'll do my best in there. Yeah, so I'm an yeah. under-promise, over-deliver type guy. Right. So yeah. I set the bar low and exceed the bar more it's often It's a way to do not. it. Yep. yep. But, yeah, uh, all about exceeding that bar. All right. Well, on those notes, good last calls. Uh, interesting conversation, a little bit out of the norm of our usual stuff, but we like to keep it fresh. Uh, get Famous Amos Cookies. Famous Amos, please sponsor us. Wally Amos. Is that what his name is? It is Wally. Wally Amos. Wally Amos. Name. That is a trademarked name. Please note before anybody with the last name Amos out there tries the sound of a cookie. to name their child Wally, uh, you are likely going to have to relieve custody to famous Amos cookies yep. of your child. Yep. So thanks, everybody. Happy hunting and shooting out there. We'll catch you next time. Bye. 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 All right. That'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hit that subscribe button so you can always stay up to date on the latest happenings over here at the Vortex Nation podcast. Leave us a review or comment down below. We want to hear what you have to say about the show, maybe what you like, maybe what you didn't like, so that way we can make these podcasts as good as they can be. You can also follow us on Instagram at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'll be posting about each episode released, so that way you can go back, find these things, maybe grab a little nugget of information that you could take with you to the range, out in the field, or uh, maybe to the kitchen if we're talking about some good food. So again, everybody, thanks, and happy hunting and shooting. We appreciate it. Have a good one.